What's up, my good peoples? Welcome to the Be Transformed podcast, where we're talking about ideas that stimulate wholesome thinking into identity, purpose, vision, and action. My name is James Anderson, and today I want to talk to you about your will. Your will is your ability to focus and to concentrate in a specific direction. It's often thought, at least in the Christian community, that the free will is a curse. It's it's the thing that dooms you to failure. It's the thing that causes you to constantly choose uh, things that are contrary to God. And that is a very limited idea. And it's one that's actually not founded on truth or understanding. And we are going to get into today where the heck did all this inundation of low quality ideas come from and not only where did it come from but how do we get on top of it how do we overcome it how do we learn to dismiss low quality ideas and grab hold of high quality ideas that are actually founded on the truth and going to propel us into the future That's what we're getting into today. So in order to understand where all these low quality ideas that we have, (laughs) that we've been taught, that we learned that, that, you know, these low quality ideas that that caused us to make certain conclusions and take certain actions, where did all of this come from? And in order to understand this, ma'am, we have got to go back way back to Genesis 3. So in Genesis 3, we got the serpent, Eve, Adam, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So let's break into it. All right. Chapter 3. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, You shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. Then she gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, And they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called out to Adam and said, Bro, where you is, dog? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid. Because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you you should not eat? Then the man said, The 
the woman you gave me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And then bam, the Lord breaks out some consequences. So this story is very interesting, right? You know, you know, we, we learn about this is where the fall came, this is where sin came. But what's interesting is I don't know that I've really ever heard anybody talk about the, the byproduct of this tree, the byproduct of knowledge of good and evil. And, you know, just in my journey of uh, studying how the mind works, how ideas work, how your brain works, how your, your, your body, you know, works with your mind and your emotions and our actions and just how all those uh, work together to produce results. Um, I, I started, I got a revelation about the knowledge of good and evil, like this tree and the byproduct of its fruit, right? So obviously God said, hey, you know, created the Garden of Eden, put Adam and Eve in there and said, one, work it, but two, you know, there's the tree of life. Every tree, it's good for food, eat it. Except for this one tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, don't eat it, don't touch it. For the day you do, you will surely die. And, but one day here comes a serpent, breaks in and breaks into the scene and starts talking to Eve, right? And says, hey, you know, is, is, it, is it really true that you're not supposed to eat of, of every tree? She's like, no, no, we can, we can eat of every tree. It's just this one tree, we're not supposed to eat it lest we die. And the serpent's like, well, but you know, you're not really going to die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good from evil. And so she's like, that's interesting. But I tell you what's really interesting. What's really interesting is that statement was somewhat true. The statement of, well, God knows that in that day, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good from evil. That statement was true because at the end, God says, whoa, he's like, now these guys are like us. They know the difference between good and evil. And so we got to get them out of the garden so they can't partake of the tree of life. And we'll get into the, the reason why uh, that was the case. But that statement was true. The problem with that statement was that the, the perspective was skewed, right? It was this idea that you're not like God and God's trying to keep this thing from you. And this tree is actually your access to become more like God. And that's how he sold it. And so Eve got sold. And so... She she takes, she's like, she's like, all right, it looks good. And it's gonna make me wise and it's gonna make me more like God, then bam, let's do it, right? She just in that moment totally lost connection with the truth and ate of the fruit. Well, so she ate it, then she gave it to Adam, and Adam ate it, and bam. Everything changed. Right? Their eyes were open, and they're like, whoa, we're naked. They were already naked. But their perspective on the situation changed. 
I don't know what happened. I don't know if they all of a sudden they gained a perspective of like, oh, wow, this is bad. Or, oh, wow, like it, if it like opened up the ability to be insecure of what you look like and who you are. I don't know. But what happened was they, they saw that they were naked and then they concluded it was bad. Now, when you think something is bad, there's the temptation to hide it. So what did they do? They were naked. They're like, whoa, this is wrong. And so they sewed up fig leaves to make themselves uh, coverings. Now, this is really interesting because you know, I don't know if God was wearing robes or I, you know, like, I don't, I don't know what the situation was, but like, I don't know that they've ever seen clothes before. Like that wasn't a thing. People, they were naked and that was normal. But all of a sudden they're looking at themselves and thinking, this is wrong. How do we solve this problem? So their perspective initiated creative thinking. And so their creative thinking went towards how do we cover ourselves up? Bam, let's take these fig leaves and attach them to ourselves. And that will solve our problem. Then they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. And so they were like, whoa, let's hide ourselves. Why? Because sometimes when you do something wrong, the, the, <laughs> the reaction is let's hide it. Let's cover it so nobody sees what we're doing. So God comes into the garden and bam, the creative juices start flowing, right? They're like, oh no, we're doing something wrong. We're naked. Let's hide. And so their creativity started to flow from their perspective. And then they took action. And so, bam, they hid in the garden. And so God's like, whoa, where y'all is? And, um, you know, Adam's response was like, we heard you in the garden and we were afraid because we were naked. And so we hid ourselves. So, what happened? What happened was the serpent sold the tree as an upgrade, right? Like it was going to give you access to the mind of God. The problem was they already had the mind of God, right? God said, I'm a, let's make mankind in our image and in our likeness, right? To have our nature. And but yet there, here, here was this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so anyways, the serpent sold it as um, a tree that was going to make, <laughs> make you wise. And uh, what happened was the truth was is that it, was, it wasn't so much of an upgrade as it was as like an inundation of like a virus, a vi virus code. It's just making me think of like um, back in the day, I don't know, years years ago, spam in, uh, on the internet was different than it is now. You know, we get spam emails, like just weird, weird emails. But back in the day, you'd get those pop-ups, right? You'd click on something and all of a sudden you like these pop, like multiple pop-ups would just pop up on your screen and like you'd have to like click you know, click on them to get them to go away and whatever. And they would just pop up, pop up, pop up. And that's essentially what the knowledge of good and evil brought about was it brought about the spam. 
right? Not not like SPAM spam in a can, spam and eggs, but like spam as the pop-ups. And it really just, it brought in a high level of confusion as well as really low quality ideas. So low quality ideas affect your perspective, right? Your, your perspective is the way you view the world. It's the way you view yourself, right? It's, it's, it's like the lens you look through. So like, uh, you know, rose colored glasses, right? You put on the, the glasses and they have like this reddish tint to them. So everything you see is affected by this reddish tint. Well, that's what a perspective is. Your perspective then is the way you look at everything and you look at it from the effect of this perspective or this idea. So Adam and Eve, seeing that they were naked, were like, whoa, this is bad. So they had to cover themselves up. And then when God came, they went and hid themselves. I mean, there was like, they had never been in trouble before. This was like never, this had never been a thing. But all of a sudden, they're getting the sense something went wrong. And then they're using their creative ideas, their creative thinking to solve this problem. And so... (laughs) But the point is, is that a low quality idea, which then becomes your, which then affects your perspective, it then affects the quality of the ideas you think about. It affects, it like taints your creative thinking. So let's keep going. So, all right. So God comes in, he's like, bam, you ate of the the tree. And then, so he's like, all right. What was he said? He said, Oh, yeah. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded that you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman whom you gave me to be with me, she, she gave me of the tree and I ate it. All right. Now, this is kind of true. Like, that's a true statement. But what's he doing? He's casting blame. This is fascinating. So he's casting blame. He's like, all right, whoa, whoa. Whoa, he's like, he's like, everything went bad. But it was the woman. But it wasn't just the woman. It was the woman you gave me. <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> this is what you don't want to do uh, when you get caught red-handed. Um, so anyways, he says, whoa, the woman you gave me, uh, she gave me of the tree and I ate it. Then the woman, then, then God, moving down the line, was like, all right. What is this you have done to the woman? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. Which is, again, that's a true statement. But she was still, she was passing the buck, right? She was passing the, the responsibility. She was, she was saying it was him who deceived me and I ate it. And then the Lord, the Lord uh, turns to the serpent. But here's what's interesting, right? To the serpent... He doesn't ask what happened, nor does the serpent give a response. There's no casting of blame going on here. There's no question of intent going on here. I think this is very fascinating. You know, because if you look at cause and effect, right? Cause is the thing that makes something happen, and it's the outcome. It's the thing that happened. That's the effect. Well, Adam and Eve were definitely the effect, but the serpent was the cause. 
And anyway, so God dishes out the, um, the punishment. And so lays it out for the serpent. And then to the woman, he says, all right, this is the punishment. But then he comes to Adam. And he doesn't just lay out the punishment. He, he corrects the lack of responsibility and ownership and the responsibility he had to lead. And he addresses that here. He says, then he said to Adam, because you heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree, which I commanded you that you should not eat of it. Then he goes on with the ramifications. But he says, because you heeded the voice of your wife and you ate from the tree, which I commanded you to not eat. Here's what's going to happen. Because what did Adam say? Adam said, the woman whom you gave me, she gave me the fruit to eat. But God said, <laughs> you heeded her voice and you ate from the tree that I commanded you to not eat. Responsibility. You never want to cast that thing off. You never want to pass the buck. Here's what happens, right? When you pass the buck, when you pass off responsibility and you cast blame on somebody else, somebody else caused me to do that, you become a victim of the situation and the circumstance. There was factors that were going on in the garden. But at the end of the day, each one of them chose to eat the fruit. And you got to suck that up. But when you blame somebody else for what you did, you become a victim. And what I mean by that is like you become the byproduct of, of your environment, right? You become the effect instead of being the cause. And when you cast blame on somebody else, then your creative thoughts, right? Because that's a low-quality idea. A low-quality idea would be like, oh, well, that's somebody else's fault. No, like if, if you made the decision, then you had the ability to make a different decision. That's the power of the will. The will is your ability to choose what it is you're going to do, to choose what it is you're going to focus on. Your will is your ability to accept or reject any and all ideas. Your will is your God-given ability to accept or reject an idea. Think about that. You can accept or reject any idea. You are in control of you. Self-control, right, is the byproduct. It's a fruit of, of being alive in God. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy, he said, you know, we haven't been given a spirit of fear that makes us a slave again, but instead we've got a spirit of, of power, of love, and self-control. That word also means discipline. It also means sound mind. Sound mind is legally having the capacity to think, reason, and understand for yourself. Taking responsibility for what we do gives us the opportunity and it creates the environment then to change, to affect change, to create change, to adjust. 
Because just because he he messed up here and cast the blame doesn't mean he has to go on living in that pattern. Right? If you accept responsibility for what what went what went wrong, then your mind starts thinking about ways that you could make this situation better. What could I have done that would have created a different outcome than the one I have now? And this isn't about, this This uh, evaluation is not about getting depressed or like beating yourself up. This is about learning. It's like, all right, well, because you can assess the situation now, you can see what you couldn't see before. You're like, oh, well, you know, I had that thought. That thought caused me to take that action. But what if when I had that thought, I recognized it as being a low-quality idea and then changed what I focused on and then changed what I did? That's the power of responsibility is it puts you in control. But when you cast blame, you take yourself out of control. You take yourself out of the driver's seat and you put the blame on somebody else where somebody else is then driving the vehicle. And we see this uh, in chapter four with uh, Cain and Abel. Cain was the older brother. Abel was the younger brother. So it goes out, uh, now Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I've acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground of the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Dude, why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with, his, with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where's Abel, your brother? (laughs) And he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? (laughs) He said, I don't know. What do you do when you do something wrong? You try to hide it. I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Well, not anymore, I guess. So let's check this out. Cain brought God an offering, and Abel also brought him an offering. Now, it just says that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. But then there's a little more specification with Abel, because he says Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and their fat, right? So talking about kind of bringing the, the cream of the crop. Now, this is before... Obviously, Abraham and Moses and and then the law, right, which had specification for type of offerings like this, that that stuff wasn't all laid out. But so here Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground, but was not accepted by God. And here Abel brought some of like the, the best of his to God and God respected it. Well, so Cain's kind of mad, right? He's like, 
you know, because his offering got rejected. So the Lord says again, he's like, why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. So Cain, I don't know, there was obviously something wrong with his offering. It either wasn't the best or it was just kind of like an afterthought or like, here's the stuff I have left over. I don't know. You know, it doesn't say. But regardless, it had to have been something like that. His motive behind what he did wasn't quite right. But Abel's was. So Cain gets mad and gets, you know, a little bit depressed. And so God addresses that and says, Do, why, are you, why are you mad? He said, if you do well, won't you be accepted? He says, but if you don't do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now, this is powerful because what you have here is we're talking about post-Garden of Eden. We're talking about <laughs> chapter 4. And we're talking about before any covenant. And here, here, God says, he says, if you do right, you'll be accepted. And if you do not do well, then sin lies at the door and its desires to consume you. But you should rule over it. You should rule over what? Sin. You should rule over what? Low quality ideas. You should rule over it. God never says something without giving you the ability to do it. So when God said to Cain in Genesis 4 that he had the ability to rule over thoughts, to rule over sin, he meant it. See, your will is your ability to accept or reject any kind of ideas, right? So God says to Cain, he's like, dude, why are you... Why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? But the fact that God's, what he said next meant that Cain's mind was going in a bad direction, right? He's like, if you do well, you'll be accepted. But if you don't do well, why would he say that? Because Cain is currently at the peak of a mountain. And on one side of the mountain, on the left side of the mountain is, you know, a good idea. It's self-control. It's taking responsibility for what you did and, and learning from your mistake and moving on, right? That's the good path. But then on, on the right side, we got bitterness. We got destruction and we got low quality ideas and low quality ideas can only produce low quality actions. And so here he is sitting standing at the top of this mountain, if you will, deciding which path he's going to take. And God, seeing that, addresses it. He said, look, man, if you do well, you'll be accepted. But if you don't do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you. Which is really interesting. Because he says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. Sin lies at the door based upon what you do. So let's look at this a little more before we get into that. All right. So Cain goes away and he talks to his brother. <laughs> and that clearly didn't make anything better because then it says as, as it came to pass when they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel and killed him. 
So Cain, like his parents in Genesis 3, refused to take responsibility, right? Like this really wasn't a big deal. Like he offered something to God, gave him a gift, but God didn't really like it, right? Like there was something wrong with his motives of why he gave uh, the gift. Maybe he thought it'd be better than his brother, or maybe he thought he could just give his leftovers, whatever. I, who knows? But th- there was something wrong with the motives, right? But with Abel, Abel's motives were right. So Cain gets rejected, and so his thought process starts looking at, at Abel. He starts thinking, it's Abel's fault. Freaking, if that guy wouldn't have gave God a gift, he would have accepted mine. Right? Instead of taking responsibility, instead of looking at this and being like, all right, let me try this again, right? Let me see what I did wrong and adjust what I do. And then let me offer God another gift and bam, done, done, done. That's called growth. That's called growing in knowledge and understanding. That's called growing in skill and ability. If you see what you did wrong and then you adjust, bam. You're rolling. But that's <laughs> Cain was not interested in uh, learning. <laughs> Cain instead was pissed. And he was casting the blame on Abel as if it was Abel's fault. All right. So what happens, right? Because this is, this is a low-quality idea. Now, low-quality ideas only bring about low-quality solutions. Right, your perspective affects how you look at things. So right now, Cain's looking at the situation and thinking it's Abel's fault. Abel had nothing to do with it. Abel did his own thing, and from his motives, he was accepted. But Cain's looking at Abel thinking, man, this guy, this little weasel, right? He's the younger brother. Abel's the younger brother. And he's like, that's little punk. It's his fault that God didn't accept my gift. So what's, what's, what's the solution, right? He starts to get bitter. What's bitterness do? He says, God said, if you do what is wrong, then sin lies at the door and its desire is to consume you, one of the versions says. So what happens is when you marinate in these low-quality ideas and you choose to be offended instead of taking responsibility and just letting things go, right? Like freely forgiving. When you don't do that and you, and, you, and you embrace bitterness and you cast blame, you open yourself up to really low quality ideas. But God said, hey, you should master it. Master it. Master it. Rule over it. Govern, manage, subdue. Sin, subdue low-quality thoughts. You should master it. How do you become a master at something? Well, you learn, right? So if he would have taken responsibility, be like, all right, it's not Abel's fault. This is my fault. And I'm going to change my perspective, and I'm going to offer my gift again. That would have been an experience that would lead him to skill and ability, right? The ability to master This is the thing that creates character is like when you adjust, we're learning, we're learning how to grow in maturity, how to think on purpose and how to think high quality thoughts. If he would have done that, he would be mastering it. But instead he's marinating 
with low-quality ideas, which creates which created bitterness and hatred, right? What's the byproduct of that? It was that he killed his brother. Why did he kill his brother? Because he was marinating in low-quality ideas. Look, the ability to kill had always existed. What didn't exist always was a low-quality idea, right? But enter in the knowledge of good and evil, entered in access to low-quality ideas. Low-quality ideas produce low-quality results, and that's what happened. So Cain kills his brother. This is the byproduct of not taking responsibility, casting blame. You got to learn how to take responsibility. Taking responsibility, man, it puts you behind the driver's seat. It puts you behind the wheel. When you take responsibility, you know, Grant Cardone, and I think it was in the 10X rule, his book, he's talking about this high level of responsibility. And even to the point where it's like, all right, if you're driving down the road and somebody rear ends you, that's your fault. Now, that, that one's hard for some people because I, I was like, wait, what? No, they ran into me. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, what could you have done differently to not have been in that situation? Like, could you have been paying attention more in your rearview mirror? Could you have, you could have left, you know, one minute earlier or one minute later. You know, you could have been in a different lane. You could have rode your bike. You know, what, what could you have done to, to change that situation? Was there something you could do? Cause if there's something you can do, then it, it, it keeps you in charge, if you will. And this isn't like, when I say keep you in charge, it's not like an egotistical, like, oh yeah, I need to be, you know, in charge of everything. It's like when you take responsibility for everything that happens in your life, you have the ability to affect change and create the circumstances that you want in life. Creation. Creation is part of who we are. It, it was the byproduct of being made in the image and the likeness of God. Like we are born to create. We're born to work, to produce. I don't, when I mean say work, I don't mean like your job. I mean work. You, 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 are, you were made to turn ideas into realities. Because ideas become things, right? Ideas are, when we talk about cause and effect, ideas are the cause. And then it's what you do with that idea that becomes the effect. And ideas become things. Everything that's ever been made, created, started out as an idea. And so ideas, right? Like your ability to create, to affect change, to marinate in the mind of Christ and come up with just absolutely epic ideas of how to solve problems, how to create businesses, how to build new products, invent new things, to innovate things that already exist and make them even better and solve even greater problems and become more efficient, right? We have the ability to tap into these possibilities that exist, but the possibilities that we tap into, it's like you the, the quality of the possibilities that you marinate on are based upon the quality of your perspective. And so if, if, if we're constantly blaming other people for the way things are, 
We're like, okay, it's the government's fault. Okay, you know, it's these people's fault. All right, it's it's this organization. All right, it's like it's like every, everything that's going wrong is everybody else's fault. Well, the byproduct of that, right? That's a low quality idea, and so the byproduct of that idea is bitterness, right? You get mad at these other people. You say, well, it's all your fault. You guys should be doing something else, right? So we're saying they're responsible to do new things to create new outcomes. What's that do to you? That makes that renders you useless. <laughs> if if I blame everybody else for what's going on, then I'm saying they're the only ones that can solve this problem. But when I look at the situation and I also see that man, the situation is going weird, and then I start thinking, well, I wonder what's the cause? Like, what's the problem? Why is everybody freaking out? Why? Who even freaking cares? <laughs> That's a good point. But if I start looking at the situation thinking, all right, well, what's the actual problem? Because I don't want to just deal with the effect, right? The effect is the outward thing. It's, it's where people are freaking out. It's where people are sharing all their low-quality opinions. That's the effect. That's the effect. Now, if you spend all your time chasing the effect, you're going to miss out on the cause, the cause is how we bring about some change. So if I look and consider what's the actual cause, then I can start thinking, all right, well, what could I do to affect some change there? What could I do that would bring about a different outcome than what's going on right now? When I think like that, I'm thinking in terms of cause. But when I'm looking at everything and thinking, all right, it's everybody else's fault, I'm looking at the effect and I'm becoming an effect of the environment instead of being somebody who affects change in the environment. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like yeast, which a woman put a small batch of yeast into a big lump of dough and she worked it until the entire dough had yeast permeated through the entire batch. That's the cause. Yeast is a cause. It causes that bread to rise, which that bread would not have done unless it was inundated with yeast. Well, that's who we are. We're the yeast. We're the people who are meant to be the cause of great change, the cause of the manifestation of the kingdom of heaven on earth. And we do that by marinating on high-quality ideas and then taking those ideas and turning them into reality. But if we constantly cast blame on other people, we're not taking responsibility. And if we're not taking responsibility, then there's no way we're thinking about creative thoughts that are going to produce change. Instead, we're just getting bitter and mad, and that just makes us like everybody else. But when we take responsibility, it opens us up to new ideas to high-quality ideas, to ideas of change, of growth, of influence. And that's what we're after. You know, ideas, right? <clears throat> ideas are the thing that gives you access to possibilities that exist. The quality of the possibilities are largely affected by your perspective as well as your environment, like the things that you're, you, you feed on. So if you constantly feed on negative information, then your perspective can become adapted to those negative ideas. Well, there's no benefit to that. 
So like the things that you spend your time learning, if, if they're just people's opinions is pretty much useless. I don't need somebody's opinion. I need the truth. I need principles that I can apply that will change my life. I need principles that I can apply to turn my sweet ideas into realities. That's the only thing I'm after. I am not after other people's opinions. I'm not after talk. I'm after action. I'm after results. Grant Cardone, in one of his programs, he says, everybody wants to be the cause, but most people are just the effect. And it takes push to be the cause. If you want to create the vision that you see in your mind, dude, you're going to have to work it. You're going to have to do some things to turn that thing into a reality. The vision that you're marinating on, the ideas, the dreams that you're dreaming, if you really want those, you're going to have to do something about it. You're going to have to be the cause. You're going to, you got to, you can't be the effect. You got to be the cause. You got to be the cause of the results that you want. You got to cause it. You got to cause it. 2021, this year's coming up, it's coming up quick. This year. Dude, this year is going to be powerful. You know, I said, I think it was the, at the end of, of 2019, I said 2020, right? It's going to be the year of clear vision. Now, that's not a giant jump, right? I mean, 2020, right? 2020 is clear eyesight. But I was like, 2020 is going to be the year of clear vision. And for me, it absolutely was. It was the year of clear vision. I got real clear on what my message was. I got real clear on, on how I deliver that message and what I'm, I'm to spend my time working on. And then from there, it, came, it, it comes to, all right, how do I then become those things? How do I uh, take responsibility for, for those things in such a way that it's proved by what I do? It's proved by how I think. It's proved by how I feel. It's proved that I take responsibility for things by my actions, and so it's the process of then like developing discipline, developing new habits that actually serve my purpose, right? And, um, and I'm going to get into this uh, in, our, in our next episode. But so 2020 was the year clear vision, which you got to have vision. If, if you want to become the cause, you have to hold a picture of what you actually want. And then you got to create it. That's the work we're created for, right? He says, Jesus said, you're the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and then glorify the Father in heaven. Why would people glorify the Father in heaven? Because they saw your good works. Why would your good works prove that God was good? Is because the ideas you're marinating on are high quality. They're based upon the mind of Christ. You're tapping into possibilities and potentials that are based upon fundamental truths. It's based upon the kingdom of heaven and how it is called to function on earth, in the earth. <laughs> so when we start thinking from the perspective that we hold responsibility and duty, and we start thinking, all right, it's our, it's our mission to manifest the kingdom of on earth. We are the kingdom representatives that takes the functionality of the kingdom and manifests it, influences this world to start to look, to start to smell, to start to think, to start to feel, to start to act like the kingdom. 
And that doesn't look like a Sunday service. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Manifesting the kingdom of heaven on earth does not look like a Sunday service in the workplace. It looks like solving problems, solving real world problems with kingdom solutions. It looks about, it looks like actually impacting people's lives where their lives are actually transformed. Transformation is actually measurable. It's palatable. It's visible. It's not this made up thing. It's something that you can actually see and experience, transformation. And that's what we're after. And so vision is the picture of the future that you see. And then we take the reason we need that picture is because it, it holds the plan of how to realize it. And then we devote ourselves to putting that plan into action, to intentionally manifest what we saw. That's the importance of vision. And that's what the year of 2020 was all about. I hope you got some vision. And if you don't have vision, you need to pick up my program called Jumpstart Your Life of Purpose, because in that it explains how to create vision and then the process necessary to turn that into reality, because we're going to need that for 2021. Because 2021, this is about hardwiring your vision to your will. And your will is your ability to focus, to concentrate, to accept and reject ideas. Your will is the ability to focus. And we want to focus our energy towards achieving what we can see. We want to not just be able to see our potential, what we're capable of, but we want to, we want to prove that we have the potential by realizing it. We're after results not just talk. So 2021, man, is going to be epic. And so in our next podcast, we're going to talk about what it means to hardwire your will to your vision and how we're going to turn 2021 into the most productive year we have ever had. Mug of peoples. Thanks for sticking around. Until next time. Peace.